so thank you so much for joining me today. Let's acknowledge Jesus. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you want to teach us. We just receive you right now. You said when we gathered in your name, you'd be here. And so we just know that you are, and we appreciate that you are, and that you are teaching us how to be prepared for your return. We thank you that it's not your will that even one should perish. We give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're about to do here today. Thank you, Jesus. He is so good. He is so in love with us, and we are being warned. We are. His return is soon, and he said we're not ready. He said to tell his people we're not ready, and he's expecting us to prepare for his return. So often I talk to people, and they say, oh, yeah, I know. Jesus is coming. I'm ready. And they're really not, and I can tell because I have been corrected over and over again. And if we don't go and ask for that correction, we're not going to know it. We're not going to know that we're not right with him. We can't assume anything. It's too dangerous. You don't want your eternity to be um, teeter-tottering back and forth. You want to make sure this is our time of grace, and you want to make sure now that you're right with Jesus. You don't want him to come back on that day and say, I didn't know you, and say, I didn't know you, you who practice lawlessness. You don't want that happening. You don't. You want to make sure you're right with him now. Get on your face now. And, you know, we so easy. I'll finish my sentence. Get on your face now and make sure that you're right with him. Ask him if there's anything you need to fix. And I'm sure you'll get an answer. Because what I was going to say is we so easily have an excuse. Oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm just human. But you have Jesus living on the inside of you, and really what you're doing here is being perfected. You are being prepared to be his bride without spot or wrinkle. And so that takes you getting on your knees. He said he loves those he corrects, and you let him correct you. That's how you grow up. That's how you get ready for heaven. So he's been telling me to tell people that, and I haven't met um, well, one person thanked me and she said she was going to get on her knees. But um, most people are, are just like pushing me off. They don't want to hear it. And you know what? It's going to be too late. This is our warning. Jesus does not want to come like a thief in the night. But um, we just, it's going to be like that because we're not heeding his warning. He is going to do what he said he's going to do. And so I wanted to share with you, um, yesterday I went to the grocery store and I heard this loud voice and I started hearing the gospel being preached. The man was yelling through this um, loudspeaker, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I was so excited and I went up to him and talked to him and encouraged him. When he stopped, I said, don't stop, keep going. That is so exciting. And God has been having me go out and tell people that his return is soon and we're not ready. He doesn't want to come when we're not ready. He, it's not as well that any should perish. And so this is our warning that the kingdom of God is at hand. And what God is asking us to do is to come out from among them. Stop trying to blend in with other people? Why are we trying to blend in with the world? Why do we shy off 
of telling someone about Jesus because they're going to think we're weird. They thought Jesus is weird. And so when you commit and you ask Jesus to come live on the inside of you, you're committing to weird. You're committing to peculiar. Jesus said, they're going to hate you because they hated me. People do not want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear that they have to change or that they're wrong. People are easily offended. And they were when Jesus was here. But, you know, if you want to live with him, if you're going to be on his side, then he's saying, come out from among them. What do believers have to do with unbelievers? What do you care what an unbeliever thinks of you anyway? The reason God is wanting you to tell them about Jesus is because he's coming. It's not his will that one should perish. He doesn't want to come like a thief in the night, but it's going to be that way for many because they're not paying attention. They're not listening. He's calling out to us, and we're not listening. And so he, he's going to take any available voice that he has, anybody that is listening, to tell that he is coming. And if you're a Christian, everywhere you go, you should be telling that Jesus is coming. If you're a Christian, then you should get on your knees and say, Jesus, correct me. Correct me. I want to be corrected. You know, if we don't want to be corrected, we're prideful. And he can't do anything with a prideful person. He can't. That's why he hates pride, because if you think you know it all, then how is he going to do anything? Um, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them. So what are we doing when we're um, what are we doing when we're afraid to tell them something or afraid to show who we are and we're trying to blend in? That's what we're doing. He's saying, don't do that. He's saying, don't do that. For what partnership have right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? Remember, Jesus said, on that day, many are going to stand before me. And I'm going to say, I didn't know you, you who practice lawlessness. So here you go. If you're a Christian and you're trying to blend in with a non-Christian and you're practicing lawlessness just because you want to fit into their group, just because you want to be cool or you don't want to be laughed at, then you're practicing lawlessness because he's saying, come out from among them. Be on my side or the enemy side. Which side? This is your time to choose. He's doing and dividing. That's what he's doing. He's dividing the believers from the unbelievers. He's doing a testing. He's testing. Are you going to stand up for him? Are you going to do what you say that you're going to do? Are, are, like he is? He's going to do what he said he's going to do. These are not um, empty threats. You know, he is coming. He is coming, and this is a warning, and this is going to happen. The earth is going to burn. He's going to come for those who he separated. He's separating the sheep from the goats, and either you're going to be a sheep or you're going to be a goat. Either you're going to be following him, and you're not going to be ashamed of him, or if you're ashamed of him, why would you want to even move in with him? Why would you even say that you're a Christian? So what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? You should be so uncomfortable around an unbeliever as in 
associating with them or the and or they should be uncomfortable with you. You don't want to hang out with an unbeliever. You know what I was thinking was cool about that guy yesterday? You know, he was using this loudspeaker and I so wanted to jump in with him. And I know this is what God has planned. When we all get on the same page, when all the Christians come out from hiding, we're hiding. We're ashamed of him. We're trying to keep a low profile. Jesus didn't. He cast out demons. He laid hands on the sick. He made a big to-do of himself, and he's asking us to do that. That's a greater thing. But we're just all quiet in our homes and not sharing our faith. When's the last time you told someone about your Jesus? When's the last time you shared that? Are you proud of it? Or do you hide it because you don't want to be mocked at? Jesus was mocked at, so go ahead. Get ready. You're going to be mocked at. Or on that day, he's going to say, I didn't know you. What does that have to do with lawlessness? You're denying him. You're denying him. He said, either you're for me or against me. You've got to choose which one, which way you're going to go. If you're hiding who you are, then he doesn't know you. You don't really know him. Come out from among them. And this, I want to say it again, this is our time of warning. He's warning us. Either you're for him or you're against him. What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? You know, really? If you need acceptance from others, that's an idol. If you need someone else's acceptance that doesn't know Jesus, and so you blend in with them, just because you want that acceptance, that's an idol. And we have lots of other idols too, you know, besides that. And if you, if you serve anything before God, if you have to have something before him, it's an idol. And you don't want to have an idol because that idol has no compassion for you. You know, these people that you're looking to that you want their acceptance and you want to be like them, and you want to be noticed in their group. You know, there's so many, so much going on that I notice that, you know, um, if you act or do this certain thing, you're accepted. And even on Facebook, um, if you do something that everybody else is doing, they like it. But if you're out of the ordinary, um, if you're not fitting in to that category of the unbelievers, they don't like you. It's like you got to be like them for them to like you, right? And so that is trying to get their acceptance, and that is your idol if you're trying to do that. Forget about it. Forget about it. You're going to stand before Jesus one day, and you want to make sure he was your idol. You want to make sure he was what you lived for. You want to make sure... He accepted you, not them. When they stand before Jesus, if they won't accept Jesus, if they're prideful, then on that day, that's going to show up. And you don't want to be on that side of the, I, I guess I'm picturing um, what one guy said once. He said um, that he had this vision and his friends were on one side and, and the Christians were on this side. And the abyss was in the middle, and they were just falling in. You don't want to be falling in because you want it to be accepted by them. It's a temporary thing, and they're wrong. They're a man. You know what's right. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. When you get on your knees, um, the Holy Spirit convicts you. 
And so much of the time we listen to the lie of the enemy and say, God understands. You're a good person. You're going to be fine. You know, Jesus said that um, when the rich man called him good, he said, don't call me good. The only one who's good is a father. But we call ourselves good. I said that to, to somebody one day. They called me good. I said, I'm not good. It's only the father. But we're calling ourselves a good person. And a good person is going to go to heaven. I'm a good person. I have a good heart. I'm not worried about it. That doesn't mean, that doesn't tell me that you got on your knees and said to Jesus, correct me. Correct me. Show me what I need to get right. You didn't do that. You're just telling me what you think of yourself, that you think you're a good person. And who are you really comparing yourself to then? Think about that. But what I was saying is when you, when you get on your knees and the Holy Spirit convicts you, don't push it away. Don't tell yourself it's okay that you're a good person. But go ahead and take that correction and, and, and go ahead and say, it's way too overwhelming for me. This is what I say because when I need correction, it's way too overwhelming for me. And I say, I need your help. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. Help me to do this. And I'll do it. So anyway, um, for we are the temple of the living God. And even as God has said, I will dwell in and with and among them and walk with them and, and, and among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. So come out from among the unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord, and touch away anything that is unclean. Then I will receive you. Okay, I turn the page. Always seems like a difficult thing. I will see you, receive you kindly and treat you with favor, and I will be your, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And you shall be my sons and daughters. You must come out from among them to be his son and his, to be his daughter or son. And this has to happen now. This is our warning before he comes. And you might be thinking, um, well, we've heard this forever. And this is just a virus and it's going to go away. It, it's not like it has been before. And the way that you can tell is if you get on your knees every morning. I mean, you can look at the Word and see it. But mostly, the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that convicts you of your sin, is going to show you the time is near. Time to buckle your belt as tight as you can get it. Do everything He tells you to do. He's separating. He's doing a dividing. He's separating His sheep from the goats. That's what He's doing. And so you want to make sure that you're on the right side. You want to make sure that everything that you're doing agrees with him. You want to get in agreement with him. Make your choice now before it's too late. This is our time of grace. And when this time is over, then it's too late. And so if you want to be his son or his daughter, then you certainly want to get on your knees and find out from him. Find out from him if you're right with him. You know, um, so many times I think people think that it's up to the 
the church and um, it, it's not an individual thing. Like, you know, they lean on their pastor or they go to the church and, and they lean on the church and, and think that um, as a group, maybe, I don't know, you're going to stand before God one day. But it's not like that. It's an individual thing. You are the church. The relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit, when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, is that relationship, just you and God, just you and Jesus, you and the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with your pastor or your church. And so it's an individual thing. So you yourself have to get on your knees. You don't ask your pastor. You don't, you know, we don't even have a church right now to go to. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the Holy Spirit living in you is what's going to make it or break it, right? If you follow him or you don't follow him, that's what's going to make it or break it. It has nothing to do with your church, nothing to do with your pastor. It has to do with you and Jesus. Are you right with him? You have to get on your knees. It has nothing to do with your church. And I just want to make that really clear because so many people are dependent on um, churches, when I ask people if they know Jesus, well, I go to this Lutheran school or I go to this Catholic church, they don't know what's going on. You have to have a relationship with Jesus, just you and Jesus. And then he talks to you and you talk to him. You know his voice, you follow him, and he gives you eternal life. That's how it works. It has nothing to do with what church you go to has nothing to do with what school you go to, but it has to do with that relationship that you have. And then when you have that relationship, he's asking you to come out from among them. He's asking you to be in relationship with him, in oneness, in oneness with him. He doesn't want you, he's asking you not to be ashamed of him. Why do you want to be ashamed of him? The other day I was talking to a guy and... Um, we were talking about how, how weird that people think that we are the people that don't know Jesus. And he said, there's nothing weird about it. And there isn't. There, there isn't anything weird about it. We should be proud of who we are. We are king's kids, sons and daughters of the Most High. And when you know that and you feel that conviction in your heart, then it's a whole different story than going to a Catholic or, or Lutheran school or, or feeling weird about God. You know, that's the thing. That's how the enemy works. He works through the unbelievers to try to belittle you, to make you think, you know, if you trust Jesus, you're, you're a little person. They try to belittle Jesus, and he let them. And yeah, we're to let them, but not join them, not try to get their approval. Come out from among them. Get a loudspeaker. Get on the corner and share your faith and just let them laugh at you. They weren't laughing anymore when Jesus took his last breath. When Jesus came back to life, they weren't laughing anymore. And they're not going to be laughing anymore on that day. When Jesus comes, when he comes knocking at your door, it's going to be a whole lot different for you than it is for them. And the time is near, and he's giving us time to get ready. I don't know how long that is, but 
get going because you can't get ready at the last minute. So if he's giving us plenty of time to get ready now, then we have plenty of time to get ready. We do. You have time to get ready. So, but not enough time to waste. At the same time, I'll tell you there's no time to waste. If you know the story of the um, the ten virgins, five of them were not ready. And what that story means is that they weren't ready for Jesus' return. And just that. And he's saying, we're not ready. But five were wise and they were ready. And you have to be the wise. You have to be ready. You make sure every day you get up and you ask them for direction and correction. And then you do that. And then you will be ready. You will be a wise virgin. You, you'll be a person that set yourself aside and separated yourself, came out from among them. You're not hanging out with them. You're not wasting time like they're wasting time. You're there for them. And you're that witness, but you're not like them. You know, we're not supposed to just like totally ignore them and look down on them, but we don't live like they live. What fellowship do you have with the dark? We live for Jesus. We do the greater work. We prepare for his return. We're preparing for his return by being bold, like by being like this man I saw standing on the corner with his wife and his three children, yelling out the gospel through a loudspeaker. Come on. That was so encouraging. That's what we need to do. We need to be bold. We need to get out there. We should be everywhere because otherwise the people that, that don't hear it, I mean, and not only that, I'm getting all excited. Matthew 24, we're in a place where the gospel needs to be preached everywhere. And so let's get it out there. Let's get it done. And I believe that it's going to happen and it's going to be great. And many are still going to deny him. I don't know why, but we have to make it exuberant. We have to make it where they get it, where they understand the thrill of it and the danger of not repenting. Repent. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is among you. How can I say that? Because the kingdom of God is within us, right? What did John do? He prepared the way for the Lord. And that's what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to let people know that he's coming. Repent, change your way, get it right now. He's coming. We don't have much time. And you know, Think about it. Think about how your time just goes like that every day. We don't have much time. We've had lots of time. You know, God was showing me too that so many are suffering and we think, well, God's allowing it. No, he's not. We are. He's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's asking us to prepare the way for him. We're late. We're late. And he doesn't want to come because he's in love with us, but he's telling us the time is soon. And if we let him, he's going to prepare us, but we got to get up, get on our knees and ask for that correction. So if you never ask Jesus to come live on the inside of you, that's the way you want to start. That's how you start. And it's not just a prayer that many think that it's a ticket to heaven. It's not that 
You're asking him to come live on the inside of you and correct you and get you ready for heaven. Send you out to do a greater work, to speak on his behalf, to be his hands and his feet and his voice. That's what it's about. He's going to come live on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you to do his will. So if you want to say that prayer, then I want to say that prayer with you. And so um, when we ask him to come live on the inside of us, he will. Revelation 3.20 says that he is knocking at the door of your heart. And when you invite him in, then you have to be willing to heed his voice. And he's going to come in and live there. He's going to dine with you, it says, which means he's going to hang out with you. He's going to teach you. He's going to correct you. He's going to be with you. You'll never, ever be alone. So let's say that prayer. Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you want to come and live on the inside of us and be our God. We thank you and praise you that you want to teach us your way. And so we just receive you. We just receive you now. Come in and live on the inside of us. Be our God. Make your home within us. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. We just believe that we receive We believe that we receive. I thank you and praise you that you are now on the inside of us. We praise you. I thank you, Lord, that um, we would know your voice now that people that have prayed would start recognizing your voice. I thank you and praise you that your presence would be strong in their life. I thank you for preparing us for your return. I thank you that. You said we can't do anything without you so that you would do that work in us. We're just asking you to do that. We're receiving whatever you have for us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. You're so good. So good. Thank you. I feel like the Lord is saying he has a word for us. So I'm going to listen for a second. He's saying, stop worrying about what people think of you. Stop looking for acceptance when you're already accepted. You're already his. And he is saying, reach out to him, and he will fill you with the things that you lack. He receives you. Look for your acceptance to him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying he loves you right where you're at. Give him the praise and the glory for that. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel him prompting me to tell you um, one thing, and that was that um, I was wondering what it was going to be like in heaven. And I was thinking, you know, how close him and I are now, and if that would be the same. And um, I heard him knock at my door. And um, I knew it wasn't a knock in my house, but it was a knock from him. And then he started showing me that that's how it's going to be. It's still going to be individual. He's going to knock at our door. Just like he's knocking on Revelation 3.20, says that he's knocking at the door of your heart. He's saying that we're that special to him, that he knows where we are, and he's knocking at your door. 
He's knocking at your door to let you know that it's just him and you. And we're still going to have that intimate relationship with him. Even amongst many people, we're still going to have that closeness and that oneness with him. I was thinking about when the disciples um, had that relationship with him and how close they were. But if they were ever separated from him, you know, like he was in a town or something, they'd have to go find him to be close to him. And by asking Jesus to come and live on the inside of you, he's there all the time now. And you're never going to be without him. He's always going to be there. He's always going to be there. And even when we go live with him, when we leave here, it's going to be the same and that much more. He's going to be close to us. He's going to come and he's going to be there just for you. The same as I heard that knocking. He's going to come and knock at your door. It's just going to be you and him. I just believe he wanted me to show you that today. Just get a picture of that, him coming to see just you knocking at your door. And if you're there every morning for him, you're going to have just that happening. He's going to be right there waiting for you to sit with him. He often says, come and sit with me. He's so cool. <clears throat> I'm so in love with him, and he is so in love with us. You said that prayer today. I'd love it so much if you let me know. I want to mention John 1.1 tells us he is his word. So if you just said that prayer, how you get to know him is you look at the word of God. He is his word. This is him talking to you. And that's how you get to know him. And that's how you obey him. Because you know what, he, when you look at the word, you know what he's saying. And then you can obey him. And if you don't know what he's saying, how can you obey him? If you don't know what he's saying, how can you know what he's thinking? If you don't know his opinion, then you can't know his opinion. So his opinion in his, is in here. And he said, if you love me, you'll obey me, and I'll show myself to you. So the more you obey him, the more he's going to manifest himself to you. So thank you so much for listening today, and God bless you.